As we continue in Ephesians, scripture today is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Well, good morning. Famous old preacher, Dwight Moody, said this, Grace isn't a little prayer that you chant before receiving a meal. It's a way to live. The law tells me how crooked I am. But grace comes along and it straightens me out. Let's pray. Father, your grace is so abundant, lavished upon us. And Lord, I pray this morning that you'll straighten us out in realizing how radical your grace is. Straighten us out when we think we have to move and do for you. Help us to receive your grace. Straighten us out in our perception of you, Father. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we just thank you for the church which you established. We thank you for the body of Christ. Work in our midst this morning, I pray. In your name, amen. For it is by grace that you and I have been saved. Think about, for a minute, your salvation. Think about the time where you sat and received the love of God, the grace poured out upon you. Think about that day or that moment, maybe that camp that you were at. As a young child, I came to the dinner table with my mom at age five after a beautiful Sunday school lesson about who Jesus was. And they shared with me about the love of God and that we needed to come to a place of inviting him into our hearts. And so at five, I remember vividly sitting at the kitchen table with my mother and, and saying, this is what I heard this morning, and I want to invite Jesus. And so we prayed together at five. And as a child, as the scriptures say, oh, that you would have faith like these children. I received Jesus and what I knew of him at five. And then I continued on in my journey. And my life was very involved with church, and my life was also very involved with school. And so, quite honestly, I kind of lived two different lives. And then one day, as I was sitting with a buddy of mine at a pizza place, roundtable pizza that I was a manager at, his name was Kirk, and he was a good friend of mine. We hung out quite a bit, actually. And I invited him to a fifth quarter party, which was an after football party that was going to be held over uh, in Palo Alto, where I went to church. And it was going to be uh, at Chuck E. Cheese, which again was cool at the time. <laughs> All right? And so I invited him to this, and he said, well, what is it? I said, well, it's a deal with my church, and da-da-da-da. 
And he looked me dead on in the face. And he said, I didn't know you were a Christian. I didn't think I was ashamed of God. But I was. And then his grace poured out on me. I started to live for him. God came in and and saved me from a place where I thought I was doing just fine. Where I thought my Christian experience was doing okay. And the Spirit ripped into my heart. And said, Rod, receive my love. And I did. Salvation has the idea of being rescued to be pulled out from from danger or destruction. It's like what has been going on in Indonesia this past week. The papers say this. Rescue workers are scrambling to save lives in a week that saw two separate deadly disasters. The numbers at the time, at Wednesday, were 340. I haven't gotten the most recent count. Rescuers are scrambling to save lives. And I saw on the news just the other day as a little child was pulled out from the mud and the crumbling of the home. And a mother was saved as well. Rescuers are scrambling. Do you understand that's the work of God? The work of the Lord is to save us because of his incredible love and grace. It's a daily thing for him. That he wants people to know that he loves them so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sin. And he rose him again from the dead. And that if we should believe upon him, we should be pulled out from the mud and the rubble. And we should be saved. That's the grace of our Lord. To be saved means that it's the Lord Jesus Christ who has rescued us from God's wrath and his judgment, as we saw in Acts 2, 1 through 3. Remember it said you were dead in your transgressions and in your sins, but I have made you alive. God has saved us from that place of death. And he's brought us into his life because of his life. As we've received him, as Jesus has done his resurrection work in our lives, we are now made alive. That is salvation. And a work that is done through God alone, through his son Jesus. It's a work that has been done. And the result of that 
is this abiding result that, that the Lord has saved us. It's the continuation of God's saving action. It's, it's the continuing work of rescue. It's a continuing work now for those of us who believe of sanctification, that we are being transformed into His image. We have been saved. It's done. It is finished. God doesn't need to do any more work. He paid it all on the cross. And for those of you who struggle with whether or not I am saved, one more place in the Scriptures that you need to hear God reminding you, I did the work. And when you became my beloved child, you have been saved. The work is done in him. You have been saved. Almighty God has his hand upon you. You have been saved. And now come and enjoy the grace of God. The Lord doesn't want you to live in fear of your salvation. 1 John is all about that. This is about that, your identity in Christ. Don't you know you're adopted in? Don't you know you're seated with him? Don't you know who you are, children of God? Salvation not only brings us out of the muck and the rubble and pulls us out and delivers us and gives us life, it brings us out of our sin and our trespasses and it brings us into relationship with a loving God. Isn't that the good news? Out of and into. He says, I am with you always. Jesus says, call me friend. We're in relationship with the living God. Bear grills who is the star of Man versus Wild, which I know many of you watch, and it's a really cool show. He's out there on his own, but he says this as he faces the wild. He says, when you get a chance to be saved, you've got to grab it. When I'm out in the wild, and I have come to my end, and I don't know how I'm going to make it, and an opportunity to be saved is offered, you have to grab it. For those of you this morning who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I hope you'll hear His Spirit always calling out to you, saying, would you receive my love? Would you receive salvation through my Son, Jesus Christ? He's always presenting the gift and the offer to you. And you alone know, you're you're the one who feels God's tug on your heart. And so this morning as we talk about God's grace, would you receive him? Would you hear him? It's a free gift. And what you say in your heart and in your prayers, Lord, come be Lord of my life. So listen to the Lord this morning through the Spirit as we continue to study Ephesians. We'll take an opportunity at the end of the service just to invite him into your heart. When you've got a chance to be saved, grab it. Brought out of the rubble and into relationship with a loving Lord.
That's the good news. It is by grace that we have been saved. Tim Keller says this. Here's the gospel, he says. You're more sinful than you've ever dared believe. And you're more loved than you ever dared hope. In his book, The Reason for God, about how to love and enter in with broken humanity, you're more sinful than you ever dared believe. And you're more loved than you ever dared hope. Grace, grace, grace. You know, it's a a word that we hear often in our Christian circles, isn't it? It's a word that we love. It's it's a name that we give to our children. It's a beautiful name. And it's an appropriate name, isn't it? Grace. Even the fact that I have this child is all God's grace. We, we have it in abundance in our Christian community as we talk about it and we think about it. And it means, it means unmerited favor, but it goes deeper than that. It has the, the idea of, of God's loving kindness. Think about that for a moment. Do you, do you ever think of God as kind. He's a kind God. Think about people in your life who have been kind to you. That's the character of God. Loving kindness that keeps being poured out when we don't deserve it. Kindness even when we kick against Him. And yet while we were still sinners, right? He died for us. Grace, unmerited favor, loving kindness. We use the acronym often, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's good. That's a good acronym. But again, it goes deeper than that. Grace is so radical. Salvation by grace means that we did absolutely nothing. And I mean nothing. To merit our salvation. You are saved by grace. All God's work in your life. Even the moment that you said, I receive you, Lord, that was God stirring in your heart. It is not of us. And so we receive grace, and when we receive grace, it's an incredible sense of freedom, isn't it? Lord, it's all your work in me. Thank you for the gift. This freedom that is given to me that I don't have to keep trying to do it right. This freedom that I can rest in you, Father, and your work that you're doing in me. And all you have to do is say thank you. For your grace. I receive it. And now help me to live in you, which is another spiritual truth, your identity in Christ. You're placed in him. And you no longer live, but what? Christ lives through you. You no longer live. Christ lives through you. That's grace. I don't have to figure it all out. 
I don't have to figure out the next hour after church and, and, and what I'm supposed to be doing in life. The Lord's living His life through you. That's grace. And He lives in us because we're saved. Those of us who have received His grace. You know, we struggle with grace because it doesn't offer equality and doesn't seem to make sense because grace is so radical. Grace really does go against the grain, doesn't it? Unmerited favor. We don't like that. Because grace isn't fair. And we want there to be fairness. Bono, who's the lead singer for the group U2, which, by the way, is the greatest rock and roll band ever to exist. (laughs) You Rolling Stones fans, I don't know what that's about. But I I really appreciate oftentimes uh, some things Bono says, some things he says some crazy stuff, but he he really processes and thinks about who he is in God. This is what Bono had to say about grace. He said, it's a mind-blowing concept that God who created the universe might be looking for company, a real relationship with people. He says, but the thing that keeps me on my knees is the difference between grace and karma. And what he's trying to get at is that we see in this world karma and all these other religions and and how it plays out kind of in the universe. If you do a good thing, it comes back to you. My name is Earl. It was based on that whole principle. Karma. But this is what he goes on to say. You know, we think about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, or the physical laws of attraction, equal and opposite ones. And then he says this, and yet comes along this idea called grace. And it upends all of that. As you reap, you will sow stuff. Grace defies reason and it defies logic. Love interrupts. And he says, that's very good news indeed because I know all the things that I've done. It doesn't excuse my mistakes. Grace doesn't. But he says, I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins on the cross because I know who I am, and I hope I don't have to depend on my own religiosity. I'm holding out for grace. There's another side to that. I appreciate that desire to say I want grace to be true. But here's the truth. You don't need to hold out. It's poured out. It's a done deal. God's grace is abundant. God's grace is abundant in the giving of His Son. God's grace is abundant in our salvation. God's grace, His unmerited favor, is given to you every day. You don't need to hold out for it. That's our identity in Christ. Just receive it. Receive it. Grace isn't fair, is it? We look at the thief on the cross and go, wait a second, that guy was miserable. He stole and he wounded people and yet he goes on the cross and he happens to be next to Jesus. That's not fair. 
Jesus got a hold of him and says, you're forgiven. You'll be with me in the kingdom today. That's not fair. We struggle. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a hospital room and a man or a woman at the end of their life says, I receive Jesus. And you rejoice. And then at the same time, in our flesh, we go, that's not fair. Grace isn't fair. What about the one who lived their whole life loving their family well and and going to church every Sunday and and, and gave and, and did all kinds of stuff that was good, yet never invited Christ into their life? to be Lord and Savior, but lived a life that everyone in the community would say was a good life. But according to the Scriptures, we'll be separated from God eternally. That's not fair! So we say. But grace pours out. Grace pours out. If God were fair, we'd all go to hell because we are wretched sinners dead in our transgressions and sins without him. And so we receive his grace. His justice demands that there's a penalty to be paid, and Jesus paid that penalty on the cross. And those who trust in him receive him. And God at that time can be both just and he's the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.26 speaks to that. He is just and he's the justifier. That's one thing we can bank on. He is just. I don't know the heart. You don't know the heart. But God is just. And he's the one who has made it right. We resist grace because it robs us of all of our pride, doesn't it? Look at the life I'm living. Look at all the memory verses I have. Look at how I live my life. And it strips that pride and says, it's all God's work in you. Not only that leads your life, but that saves your life. Grace brings us to a place of total humility. And each and every one of us should come to a place where we kneel down before the cross, broken, humbled, and we say, praise be to God who sent His Son Jesus to die on this cross to pay the price for my sin, to defeat death, to rise again, to have resurrection, and then to offer that to us. That's what grace is. And when we get to a place when we say that's not enough, then we say, well, thanks God for, you know, going on the cross. But I'm still going to do some things to try to merit my salvation. And I'm going to keep trying harder for you. And it voids the work on the cross.
Grace is radical. There's no more work that needs to be done. Grace brings us out of and into relationship with the living God. And so we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, scriptures say. For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. Through faith. We know the scriptures that teach in Hebrews 11, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Salvation through faith to faith alone with the grace of God means we receive salvation trusting in what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's faith. We trust in the work of God. We believe that He paid the price. We believe in the resurrection. We believe that God loved us so much that He gave us His Son. That's faith. And we trust in the work that our sins were covered at that moment in history. The abiding love of God. Salvation. Continuing action in our lives. Saving faith includes a couple of things, I believe. It includes a knowledge of who God is, an agreement about what He's done, a trust in Him. We need to know. We need to know about who our God is. Don't we? We need to know what He's done for us. We need to have a conviction that God exists, that He's the Creator. We need to have a conviction that He loves us. That's through the work of the Spirit He does that. We need to believe that we are a mess and in our sin. We are fallen and broken without a Savior. We need to to know that He went to the cross. We need to know that He is the Savior of the world. We need to have some sense to the core of our being. We need to believe and know that God raised Him from the dead. What do you know about your Savior, Jesus? But it goes further than that, doesn't it? We need to agree. We need to agree with who He is. We need to agree that that we are in need of a Savior. We need to come to a place where we accept what He's done with us. Not just head knowledge. It's part of it, isn't it? We're not meant to be Christian idiots and not think about what all this is about. We need to know and learn about That's why we have the Word of God, praise God. But we need to agree with who He is. One of the greatest greatest Greek tools, study tools, volumes and volumes of how to study the biblical Greek language by Kittle. All, All scholars in the Greek use it as a reference. As we study the Word, we use it as a reference. This guy knew everything about the Greek language. The great, one of the greatest minds of all time. He had nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing. He could translate the Bible inside and out. But he had nothing to do with Jesus. Faith. Is that you know who he is and you start to agree and believe upon, and then it comes into a personal trust and commitment. I place my faith in you. I trust 
in who you say you are. You may be a wonderful mechanic and work on airplanes. And you may have worked on a certain plane and and you have tested it and you have put a pilot in it and you've seen it fly and you know it's a good solid plane. But just knowing and agreeing that it's a good solid plane, that doesn't get you anywhere, does it? Where faith steps in, it says, I'm going to come into the plane and okay, take me. I step into faith and into a trust relationship with Christ and I say, lead my life now. I don't totally know how to do that. I don't get it all. I don't see how it's all going to work out. But I believe you are who you say you are. And I believe in the work that you're doing. And I know that your Holy Spirit is doing a work in me. And I believe that you paid the price on the cross. I believe that you were resurrected from the dead. I believe that you came into my life and now I put my trust in you, my faith, even though I don't totally grasp it all, that's grace. That's salvation through faith. And we live in the Lord Jesus Christ. Saving faith doesn't originate with us, does it? The Scriptures say it's a free gift. I love this Christmas child program. It really is more than just toys. We get the opportunity not only for children around the world, but children in our community, but to give them a gift. And it's a reflection, isn't it, of what Christ is saying who he is through Paul. Your salvation and your life and and the gift of salvation is a free gift. Open it, would you? Receive it, would you? Those children, wherever they might be, they don't have to go and dig a ditch and, and build a fence and do all kinds of stuff and do work in order to receive that gift, do they? That's exactly what the Lord is saying. It's a free gift. It doesn't originate, your faith doesn't originate from you. It originates from the Lord. You know, again, the natural man, man in the flesh, says that the cross is foolishness, doesn't he? And Corinthians says that in chapter 1. We can't understand the things of God, Corinthians 2. We're blind to the light of the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4. Faith doesn't originate with us. In the natural man, we don't get it. And he's saying it's given to you. It is a gift. And I believe in the Scriptures when it says these things are it is given to you. It doesn't refer just to, the, to faith. It's the whole salvation process. This whole saving process, it's a gift. It comes from the Lord. It's not from you. It's given freely. All from God. Free from God. Salvation from God, faith from God, everything, His work, His joy, His plan, His life in you, all from God. And nothing from us. It is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And not by works, the Scriptures say, not by taking on some form of employment, 
Harry Blameyer says this, In the Christian life, nothing, nothing at all, can be purchased at the do-it-yourself shop. It's not by works. You know, when you think about when you think about all of the other world religions and, and all that's going on in this world, people, people trying to worship God in some way or another, what you will find, and this is the radical difference between Christianity and literally every other religion in the world, that there is some degree in every other religion that I must earn this. I must earn salvation. I must earn favor from God. I must do something more. The cross really wasn't enough. And so when we encounter our dear friends of different faiths, and in this community we live in, we know what faith that is, isn't it? It's our Mormon friends who we love. But always to the core. And i got to tell you something. There's many Mormon friends that I have brought into a relationship, a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you the difference. And they would say this is the difference. I received grace. I received grace. I didn't realize that God loved me so much. I kept having to try. And I felt like I was always failing. And it was grace that turned my heart around. You understand, with, with our Mormon friends, with our Muslim friends, with anybody, all we're bringing to the table is the real Jesus. And it always centers on that, isn't it? We're not coming with a condemning spirit. How dare you believe this? We're coming with the real Jesus. Because what we have before us is the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. For it's by grace that you've been saved, through faith, not by works. Here's Jesus who wants relationship with you, not by anything that you're doing, just because he loves you. That's what changes hearts. That's what turns a person upside down. Because grace is radical. And God's love is radical. Always rescuing and always moving. Grace offered. Grace poured out. Always about who Jesus is. You can't hit enough home runs. There was a great moment in history on August 7, 2007, when Barry Bonds hit number 756. You Bay Area people will remember that day. He broke Hank Aaron's record. But you know what started to happen? Is people started to talk about whether that one counted. The guy hit so many home runs. And so what many said is, if he puts his name in the book, there should be an asterisk next to it to indicate that the record is tainted. But he hit so many home runs. The truth about each and every one of us without Jesus Christ 
is the record's tainted. We all have an asterisk by our name. No matter how many Sundays you came to church, no matter how much money you tithed, but when Christ comes into our lives, He changes us from within. And He washes away that asterisk. And when we show up in the kingdom, they're going to open up the book of life and it's going to have your name there. And there's no tainted record. That wasn't your work. You kept hitting home runs. It wasn't your work. It was because of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And so we receive it and we do not boast. What that means is we don't, we don't glory that's what that word is. It's without boasting. There is no glory for us. All glory goes to God. And this passage should bring you to a place of absolute thankfulness to our Lord. And that as we have received grace and we give all glory to God, that we would become people who start to pour it out upon each other. Because it's the good news, isn't it? How do people come to know the love of God? When you pour out grace. You are the hands and feet, dear friends. We are together. So let's pour out grace, just as we have received. And let's pour out the good news that we are saved by grace through faith. Not by works, so that none of us can take glory, but we just say, thank you, Father, for your amazing grace. Let's pray. Well, dear Jesus, we are overwhelmed by your love, by your amazing grace that's been poured out on us. And Father, would your Spirit minister to us and remind us of just how much you love us. And Father, would your Spirit put a cease to us trying to somehow get your favor when we already have it. Father, forgive us when we, we keep thinking that we have to do for you when you just want us to, to live your life out through us. And so, Father, this morning we, we come with a thankful heart. We thank you for your amazing grace. Amen.